continue in our series that, that we started. When you came in, you got a bulletin. In the bulletin, there's an outline. You can follow along. And today, you can see that we're going to talk about what it means to serve one another. Uh, in the Bible, we started a series last week. And for those of you that maybe weren't here last week, we talked about edifying, uh, building somebody up. So let me start with, and don't feel like you have to answer this because you might not have been here last week. Uh, maybe you are here last week and you didn't do it, but the challenge, the homework, if you will, was to find somebody to intentionally, on purpose, edify and build them up. So the question's out there, you know, did you do that? And um, I, I tell you what I'd love to just kind of point out once again, and I'll do this probably many weeks, but on the back of the bulletin <clears throat> at the bottom, there's a little goofy little code. Those are called QR codes, and it says, let us know what God is doing in your life. Whenever we give you a challenge, I, I want to encourage you, if, if you went and you built somebody up and they were like, thank you so much, that really meant a lot to me, I needed to hear that. Uh, let us know that. Those, those are called testimonies, and, and testimonies are very powerful, amen? amen? You know, it says that we overcome, by, it's by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. It, it encourages, it also edifies. Uh, all you have to do with your phone is turn your camera on, point it at that, that box there, and then it'll have you just pushing the camera, and it takes you to an email, and then you can type and let us know. Uh, obviously, today, we're talking about serving one another, and I'm going to give you another challenge, uh, homework, if you will, assignment, and, you know, th this is the cool part. I can give you challenges, I can give you assignments, if you want to call them, and it's not about pass-fail, you know. You can do it, you don't have to do it, but the reason I encourage you to do it is, if I never encourage you to do it, it you'll never do it. That's the way it worked for me. You know, somebody taught me something great, but nothing happened until they challenged me. And so I, I, I know challenge can be a word that's like, you know, you're going to challenge me? Not in a negative way, just to encourage you. You've got this. You can do this. You can edify. You can build up. You know, you can serve. You can love. You can do those things. But a lot of times we wonder how. And so that's why we're taking time to go back to the Word of God and, um, and find out what the Word of God has to say about this. So we're going to look today at a couple, I'm mainly going to look at Luke chapter 22, but you can tell by your outline, I've got a few other scriptures that I'm going to hit on and that we're going to talk about today as we talk about serving one another. And we're going to look at what serving means, service, what it means, acts of service, or, or why is this so important? Um, David Livingston, he was a pioneer missionary to Africa, and he walked over, get this, 29,000 miles to do ministry. He walked all over there. His wife died early in their ministry, and he faced stiff opposition from uh, the, the people that were there. But this is the prayer that he prayed, and I want you to hear his heart. He said, he's saying this to God, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any ties, but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. That was his prayer. And that, that, that's an important thing when he says, don't let there be anything that holds me back from serving. Whether that means serving the Lord, serving those that are around us, whether that means taking a look inside and saying, Lord, where it is that I need to be. Serving, you know, in, in my, this is just my opinion, I think when we use the word servant, it kind of gets a bad rap. You know what I mean? <clears throat> to call somebody a servant. A lot of times when they say, oh, you're a servant, well, that means that you earn minimum wage or you're the first to get laid off or you're at the bottom of the totem pole or you're 
the lowest on the food chain, or you're just not talented, you know, you're just a servant, you're just here to, you know, in, in, in our world, we kind of take that word and look at it as a negative, but in the kingdom of God, it's completely different. In the kingdom of God, it says that serving one another is the highest call. It's the highest place that we can be at. And here's the good, thing, the good news, if you will. Every one of us is capable of doing it. Every one of us can serve somebody. Now, what heart you have when you serve, that's where the challenge, that, that's where that comes in. So in the kingdom of God, he says that he who is the servant is the highest place of all. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 22. And here's what he's saying. He says in verse 24, that there arose also a dispute among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. Isn't that the way it is in our world? We always want to know who's going to be the best, number one, the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the what? Servant. The, if you really want to be a great leader, learn what it means to serve. You know, a lot of times we tell this story, especially to, uh, I don't know, young people, new employees, interns that come to the church, because they want to get somewhere, and we tell them, uh, people can make this mistake. Uh, because I am who I am, because my dad was the pastor before this church, it, it could be easy for people to think, you know, well, it's just, you know, you got it made. It's a piece of cake. You know, dad's out, you're in, this is the, you know. And, and it, it's never a piece of cake. There's challenges that come along with that. But what people don't understand is, is that's not where it all started. It didn't start because I was his son. You want to know where it started in leadership here? It started with Lisa and I becoming the janitors. Now, not many people know that. And I'm not bragging about it because there's nothing glor you know, glorious about scrubbing a toilet, right? I don't even want to do that at home. But yet, here we are, and we were the janitors. And I remember we, we took that job before we went to Bible college, and it was in one of those places that we really understood what it meant to have, have a servant heart. You know, we'd walk around and we'd be cleaning up all the Kleenexes that get left behind and, and we'd restock the, the Kleenexes that, you know, boxes that are there. <coughs> we'd be cleaning the bathrooms. And what really made the difference was the heart behind it. Because, you know, I, I could be in there scrubbing a toilet and be just saying, oh, good God, these people need, you know, they need help, you know. That, that, that's one heart. But then there's, there's when that work came in my heart that said, it's not about what I'm doing as much as it is the heart with which I have while I'm doing it. Whatever that is. So I don't know what your job is, it, what, what you're doing, and we're going to cover that in just a moment. But it's about a condition of the heart. So we started as janitors and learning that, what it meant to serve. And, and it started to cultivate that kind of a heart in our lives. Now, Jesus went on further in that story in Luke chapter 22. And he goes on and starts to ask them, he says, um, by the way, he says, who's the greatest in the eyes of men? Is it the busboy or is it the guy at the head of the table? Now, I'm paraphrasing the scriptures, obviously. But he says, who's greater, the busboy or is it the guy at the head of the table? And they said, well, of course it's the guy at the head of the table. And he says, wrong. He says, that's not where it's at. He says, serving isn't where you start, by the way, and move away from as quickly as possible. He said, you don't start there and then try to, you know, now, okay, you served and did this, but now you're, you're a supervisor, you're a manager, you're a, what, you know, I don't have to do that kind of stuff. He says, if you miss the heart of a servant, uh, you're going to miss what it means to truly succeed in life. You see, in the kingdom of heaven, serving is something that you must seek to attain. 
You must go after it. Only the greatest understand what a gift it is to be able to serve. Now, I'm not saying it, can't, it isn't challenging. And I'm not saying that sometimes it isn't fun. And I'm not saying that sometimes, you know, you may not like it. But it's about cultivating the right heart. And when you have the right heart, you can do anything. Whether it's scrubbing a toilet, whether it's shoveling a sidewalk, whether it's working at your, your place of employment, whatever it is. When you have that right heart, what a gift it is to be able to serve. I want you to think about that. It's a gift. It's a gift to be able to serve. So we need to define the heart of serving and the, and the heart of God that he wants us to sustain in understanding what it means to serve. Um, because if we get distracted, we'll just look for one thing and we'll focus on that and we'll miss the greater thing. Um, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev used to tell a time where there was a wave of petty thefts in the Soviet Union. And so to curtail this, the authorities put up guards all around the factories and um, at one of the places there, at one of the timber works in Leningrad, the guard knew the workers of that factory very well. So he was guarding the place. And the first evening, out came uh, Peter Petro Petrovich with a wheelbarrow. And in the wheelbarrow, he, he had a great bulky sack, and it looked kind of suspicious, and you know, all these objects. So uh, the guard said, all right, Petrovich. He said, what have you got in the wheelbarrow? And he's like, oh, it's nothing. It's just shavings and wood chips and all that stuff. And the guard said, oh, come on now. He said, I wasn't born yesterday. He said, dump it out. And so uh, Peter dumped it out, and there was the shavings and all of that. And he saw it was what he said it was. So he allowed him to pick it all back up, put it back in the wheelbarrow, and let him, let him go on. Well, this happened kind of a week after week thing. And finally, the curiosity got the best of the guard. And he said, every week you come out, and every week you got something in this wheelbarrow. And he says, but he says, I just got to know. He says, come on, you're not going to get in trouble, okay? I'm not going to turn you in. I know you're taking something, but what is it you're taking? Without missing a beat, Peter said, wheelbarrows. <laughs> he was so focused on what was in it, he wasn't paying attention to what was moving it around. You and I, if we get so locked into what we want and what we can get in this world and miss what it means to have the heart of a servant, it, it, it'll, it'll go right by us. <clears throat> and we'll miss that the greatest gift of all is the ability to serve. And I really want you to catch this heart and just think about it. Because serving doesn't mean that you have to be all mushy-gushy, tender-hearted. You know, you know tender-hearted's good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but sometimes we think it's about just giving people a pass. Or it's, it's about being nice when we, we, you know, it's not the right time. It, it's not about that. It's about serving, finding people where they're at in their moment of need, finding out what that need is, and then meeting that need, kind of becoming Jesus for them. You know, my prayer is, is may we not become distracted at getting what we want, that we miss serving those around us, others around us. Having a heart of service and the gift to serve, um, it was best illustrated to me uh, when Lisa and I were in Bible college. We were in Dallas, Texas. Uh, at Christ for the Nations is where we went to school. And she worked at, we both worked at hotels, different hotels. And there was one day when the dean of families came and said, they approached us and said, we want to ask you if you consider being assistants to the dean of families. And we were like, you know, we were very honored. Yeah, we'd love that. But I, I, I'm just going to be honest with y'all, okay? I'm, I'm human just like you. My first thought was, assistant dean of families. That sounds pretty cool. 
I mean, I can tell people that I'm the assistant dean of families. You know, now, I wasn't saying this stuff out loud, but it was kind of going through my head real quick. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Don't leave me alone up here. And um, so he says, we want to ask you if you'll be the assistant dean of families. And this is where I really learned about the heart of a servant. Uh, the dean of the families, his name was Henry Holland. This guy was a giant. He reminded me, if you ever watched the Munsters, he reminded me of, of the dad on that show, just tall and huge. And that. But he was so, like, so much like a teddy bear. You know, it was just such a loving guy, but he knew how to, uh, he knew how to hone in, and uh, he said, yes, we want you to do this, and that means you'll be serving the families here at school, and um, we learned a lot about serving, and we learned a lot, I, I got to speak for myself, I learned a lot about serving, <clears throat> and I learned a lot about humility as well, and the reason was because of this, serving, because we learned to serve on a different level. We learned that we don't just get to serve the people that we want necessarily to always serve, but there was people that were hurting and, and, and we didn't even know it. And when we were made aware of it, we had to step in and we would help them. And, and so there was a lot of, a, a lot of um, things that we didn't know. And we learned that learning to serve others was a choice that we had to make. It didn't just, we didn't wait for a feeling. I'll, I'll, when I feel like serving, I'll serve. No, a real servant heart chooses to serve, even when maybe they're not feeling it. Now, humility I learned because I remember thinking, like I told you, we're the assistant to the dean of the families. And it was probably 30 minutes into him asking us if we wanted to be this. And we said, yes. He called me into his office and he said, come on in here, Jim. And he said, sit down. <clears throat> he said, now I just need to let you know a few things. And the first thing is, you're not my first choice. You ever hear a balloon just kind of deflate and squeak? And I'm like, uh-huh. You know, and he said, you just need to know that because he says, you can't allow this thing to go to your head if you're really going to be effective and serve people. And I thought, well, shoot, you know, I was like kicking around. I don't know if I want to do this now. But you see what that sh showed me was my heart was in, not in the right place. But here's the good news. When you find out your heart's not in the right place, you don't leave it there. He said, now let me help you cultivate and understand what this means. And, and so I, you know, sure, it went to my head for a moment, but he quickly knew how to deflate my ego. And uh, sometimes we need that in our lives if we're truly going to cultivate a servant heart. Hearing him say, you were not my first choice. As a matter of fact, I think he even said, you weren't even my second choice. But he said the other two turned it down. And I was like, okay, fine, you know. But talk about an ego check I had. It was then that the, like I said, the dean of the family started to teach me what it meant to truly serve. He said it was a choice. It was about the condition of my heart. It was about what I could give, not what I could get. And things started to change. Now, that really changed my perspective. And I started to ask myself, how do you develop that kind of a heart? How, where, do you, where do you start? The world defines it one way. The kingdom of God defines it another way. So how do we develop this heart of a servant? I'm just going to give you three stages that you and I right now today can implement in our lives and we can start cultivating that kind of a heart of a servant. So here's stage number one. Stage one, start where you are. Start where you are. This means for some of you, start where you are in your home. Start where you are in your job. Just wherever you are, Start there. Colossians chapter 3, that's verse 23, says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord 
rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now, here's what I want you to catch. <clears throat> the Lord is your employer. I want you to think about that for a minute. The, the Lord is your employer. He, he's the one that allows you the abilities to have the job that you have, even if it's a job that you don't like right now. He allowed you to have that. In, in, in his word, he says, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve when you're out in your community, whether it's at an actual job or it's at the grocery store or it's here in church or wherever you go and you have a mindset, the Lord is the one who employs me. Now, you know what I mean by that. He says, that I want you to serve me. You've seen people before at a job that had attitude, haven't you? Uh, you know, maybe if we were honest, we were that person sometimes. And, but, you know, you run into people and, and you, they come across your path and they look like they have the motivation of a, a snail, right? They're not motivated at all to do this job. Their face says, this is the most boring job in the world. And you don't want to be around those kind of people. You know, a long, long time ago in a store far, far away, maybe not so far, uh, this is years ago, I remember going to a store here in town, and I just couldn't believe it. I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing guy, and I didn't say anything to this person, but um, it irritated me because I went up to the counter, you know, I brought all my whatever I had, and I set it down, and she sat there with her head down and never made eye contact and just kind of sighed. <sighs> And I thought, well, this is a lovely encounter, right? She started to grab stuff, ring it up, stick it in the bag. Grab the next thing, rang it up, stuck it in the bag. Hit the total button and then just sat there. And so I just looked at her and I'm like, what got you so down that you don't even want to be here and, and make eye contact and look at me? She just scanned the items and she put it in there. And when she's all done, she just stared at me. That blank stare. Didn't say a word. And I said, would you like me to pay for this? And she goes, yeah. Would you like me to use my card? Trying to smile at her a little bit. No, that didn't work. And so this whole transaction, I mean, she just didn't even want to be there. And I thought, how many times have we allowed ourselves to miss the joy of the gift of serving? Has anyone maybe crossed your path and they were like, uh, they say they have the joy of the Lord, but I'm kind of wondering here. You know, the joy of the Lord gets stirred up when, when we start getting involved and when we serve. It, it was just so obvious to me that she didn't want to be there. And when we've got a job, we should be saying, this is a privilege to be able to work. Now, this is going to open up a little bit of a can of worms because it seems like in our culture today, they say that it's hard to find employees, but then you go try to look for a job and they say they have employees. We got enough employees. We just, we can't get them to work is the only problem. Whatever job it is that you have though, even if your job is looking for a job, you and I should see this as a privilege because God has given us this gift of being able to serve. And he says that in whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. And when you do it as unto the Lord, there's a joy that can come into your life. There's promises that can become fulfilled. Whatever you do, whether it's in the workplace, looking for employment, uh, mom, taking care of the home. Moms, that's work, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever you do, 
You do it as unto the Lord, and you develop a servant kind of a heart. And David did this in the Old Testament. He didn't see it, uh, his job as boring. He saw it as his calling. And because of that, he became one of the greatest kings that Israel had ever known. Joseph in the Bible, you know, he was probably akin to the director of the health department. He was in charge of the food and everything else in Egypt, and he didn't see it just as a job. He saw it as a calling, and he saw the gift and being able to serve. And he single-handedly, uh, obviously through, through God, saved Israel from one of the worst famines in history. For this season, right now, where we're at, God has given us jobs. God has given us jobs. He didn't have to, but he gave us a job, and we have to choose to see it for what it is, and it's a gift. Whatever we do, do it with all of your heart. It's such a delight to be around people that are, 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 are loving, and they're glad, and they're happy, and have some joy in their life. When they have a right heart, it's, it's easy to be around those kind of people, isn't it? Because they have this positive spin. So how do you know what you're called to do? Uh, how do you know when you have that right heart? Um, here's a phrase that I learned from a mentor. He, I don't even know if it's something he teaches everybody else, but he said it, and it just stuck in my heart. You know one of those moments? And I remember him looking at me, and he said, Jim, you just got to make sure to live heart first, then head. And I was like, wait, say that one more time. He said, live heart first, then head. His name's Wayne Cordero. Some of you have probably heard of him. But um, I just really loved spending time with him. And it's something that, as I learned from him, I learned this. You've got to have the right heart. Heart first, then head. He said, make sure your heart is in the, that, that's the top priority. You make sure that that's in the right place, and then because it's in the right place, you can use your head to figure out where it is that you need to go next. But if you try to do things, Jim, he said, head first, and then ask God to bless what it is you came up with, he said, it's probably not going to work out. He said, you always have to live head first. Have a servant heart. Um, if you don't mind me telling you a few stories today, and you know, I, I said, one of the places I learned was at Bible College while working there. I told you Lisa and I both worked at hotels. The hotel I worked at, um, I, I loved it. It was a Radisson Hotel. I was the uh, night engineer. Doesn't that sound impressive? I was an engineer, man. But what I found out in the South, that just means maintenance guy. And, uh, and I wasn't even really a maintenance guy, okay? I didn't, you, you guys know, you've heard my giftings and I'm being able to build and fix things. They are very, very limited, very limited. But I got to learn some things. I learned a little bit. I learned enough to know how to take care of my house now. You know, a little bit of plumbing, a little bit of electrical. I can do some drywall. It never looks good, but I can, I, you know, I can give the old college try. And um, I was basically a glorified babysitter at night. That was my job. I took care of the hotel. If your batteries were dead in your room, I was the man, right? I bring you the batteries. You plugged up your toilet, unfortunately, I was the man, right? If something, I remember one time, some lady complaining about a huge cockroach in her room, and I went up there, and in the south, they have these big water bugs. You ever hear of those? One of those was in her room. I was the man. I had to go get the bug and get it out of the room. But, but what I did was, is my focus was to take care of the people, serve them. That was my job. And so the first year I was there, I was loving this job. Christmas rolled around. I thought I had my shift covered, and I came home for Christmas, only to go back and find out I lost my job. I want you to know how devastating that was. 
I got fired because I apparently didn't have my shift covered, and they said, we got to let you go. And I said, but I don't want to go. I like working here. And I went through all the emotions, um, and there was probably a two-week gap that I didn't have a job. You know, I've been working since I was 16 years old, and I always had a job, or I was always looking for another job. You know, there was something going on, and those two weeks were miserable for me. And I was trying to figure out how are we going to make it and where am I going to work. Now, the upside of all of this, obviously, that was my responsibility. Somewhere along the line, I didn't make sure something got covered. Things happened. Um, But two weeks, in that two-week period, at the Radisson, one of the assistant general managers was leaving to go manage a quality inn, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was a quality inn. And he said, Jim, I want you to come with me and be my my, uh, night maintenance guy. And... I, I got to tell you, I was, I was thankful. I'm thankful the Lord provided, but it wasn't the Radisson, you know. It was a nice hotel, but not as nice as this one. Now, now I'm in this place where it's about, am I going to lean into what I want and what I feel, or am I going to be thankful for that which I have, you know. Obviously, I took the job, but here's, the manager said this. He said, listen, I want you to come, and I want you to work at the hotel I'm going to manage, because he said, I, I, I like the way that um, you take care of people. He called me into his office. And uh, I was there my first day, and he sat me down. And he said, do you know why I hired you? And I said, pity? <laughs> I, I got nothing, you know. And he said, no. He said, I hired you because I watched you get fired, and I watched you not complain about it. You didn't complain, you know. You didn't talk bad about people. And not only that, but while you did work there, he said, I watched you serve people well. And I was like, of course, inside you're going, yes. You know, you're getting a little excited. And he said, that's why I want you here. He said, I want you here because you understand what it means to serve people. Now, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. It was unbeknownst to me. I was just, I was just doing it, you know. And, and in the midst of doing that, they were drawn. They saw something that I wasn't even keenly aware of. I mean, I knew I was serving, but... Uh, what, what, what it is that he saw was he saw my heart first. That was the first thing, my servant heart. And when you live heart first and people see that, they, they can't help but not hang around you. They're drawn to that. They want that. There was a monk by the name of Brother Lawrence whose calling was to wash dishes in a monastery. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was the most boring thing until he heard the Lord say to him one day, true story too, he said, I called you to do this as your calling. And as I'm asking you to wash these dishes, I'm asking you to do it unto me. Remember Colossians, we read that one. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Remember that? It was as if the king were requesting his service to wash the dishes. And if you know it's the king's dishes you're washing. You're not just going to run it under the faucet and throw it back in the cupboard. Yeah, no, if you know it's the king that's going to be eating off of that, you're going to start polishing that thing like you're some, some you know, fancy buffet and you're going to make that thing shine because you know who it is that you're serving. From then on, every plate Brother Lawrence washed became an offering to God. He said this. He said, it was, his, it was my way of worshiping the Lord in the kitchen. And every plate, Became, became an offering of praise to the king. And he said, my kitchen turned into a cathedral because I honored the Lord. You see, it's not about what you do so much as is 
the motive of your heart with which you're serving. You, that transformed my mindset. And, it, uh, you know, back to when I had lost my job, I'm, I'm at this new hotel. All of a sudden, you know, remember, I wanted to really be at the Radisson. It was just, it was nice. I had a rhythm. And at this hotel, it was just, it felt darker. You know what I mean? You ever just walk into a place and it's just, it's not necessarily dark, but it feels dark. And I was just like, I got to work here, you know? But then all of a sudden, I, I read this about Brother Lawrence, and I'm like, I'm going to try that. I'm just, everything I'm going to do, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. And all of a sudden, everybody that caught, crossed my path, if I ran into a guest at that hotel, hey, how are you doing? Is everything good? How can I serve you? I, I'd run into another fellow employee. You got that? Everything good? Any way I can help? Any way I can serve? You know, sometimes I help. Sometimes they said, no, I got it. The upper management. Is there anything else that you need from me? Is there any way that I can help you? Is there any way that I can, I can serve you? And all of a sudden, they started to start thinking, he's a pretty decent employee. Why? Remember, I can't do anything. Really? I, you don't want me fixing your wiring. You don't want me doing your plumbing necessarily. You definitely don't want me doing anything with construction. But it was the heart that people were, were drawn to. Now, like Paul Harvey would say, now the rest of the story, right? Um, I was working at that Quality Inn, and they went through some new ownership, and they were letting people go, and I thought, oh, no. I started to get worried. But I kept my heart in the right place, and it was then that all of a sudden the Radisson called me, my previous hotel, and they said, listen, we want you to come back. We want to talk to you about maybe coming back and having your job back. And you know how it is when you're like, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Got to play it cool. What are we talking here? You know, and it's kind of one of those things. But I wanted to just jump out of the gates. And uh, they said, we, we, come talk to us. And so I went over and I talked to him. Uh, and it was this guy, his name was Reyaz. And uh, uh, he had a, just, that's a cool name to say, isn't it? Reyaz. And um, I talked to him and he said, listen. He said, we want you to consider coming back, not because you're so smart, not because you're so good-looking, not because you're so talented, you know. It, it really, the reason he said, we want you to come back is because we like how you took care of the people. And I said, really? He's like, yeah. He said, we want you to come back because of the way you took care of the people. Servant heart. That's what they saw. Now, I know, Pastor, you're saying, Pastor, you don't know where I work. Uh, you don't know how I live. I know you're probably saying, you don't know what kind of people I have to deal with, and you're correct, I, I, I don't. But what I do know is that when you cultivate a servant heart, wherever it is that you're planted, it transforms not only you, but the people around you as well. Because it's about the promise of a servant heart. When you take those steps to first develop a servant heart, <clears throat> watch what God can do. He opens doors for people to see something of a servant heart uh, as you get involved. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. As you diminish, he increases, John the Baptist said in the Bible. He says, develop a servant heart. It's not about necessarily as you develop a servant heart, the, the heavens will part, a light will shine down, doves will flutter around you, and everyone will come running to you because they want to hear about Jesus. You just be Jesus in the middle of whatever place he sets you at. And when you have a servant heart, watch how God will open doors. He'll open opportunities for you to speak into somebody's life. 
It doesn't have to be completely evangelistic. It can be a word of encouragement. It can be somebody who's struggling and that you come along and you just help give, give them a push in the right direction. That's a servant heart. That's a servant heart. But you might say, but we're, we're, we're doing that. But, but when you say, but I want to do it as under the Lord, it's like putting a tiger in your tank, right? All of a sudden, it takes on a whole new definition. So he says, just start where you are. Here's stage two. Um, how else do you sustain this kind of a heart? One of the best disciplines that I've found to keep a clean and pure heart is stage two, hidden service. Hidden service. How do I keep my heart pure and clean for service? It's by, is it by giving the most money? Is it by being published and having a book so people can, you know, I get notoriety? No, it's going to be by hidden service. That means helping somebody else, serving somebody else, and here's the key, with no strings attached with no strings attached. Helping someone who in no way can repay you. It's when you and I get zero recognition and we do what we do just for the joy of serving Christ. Just for that. This is one of the best things for our hearts because often I, I even catch myself with a secret desire to be recognized. You ever been there? Now I know we're probably not going to get any hand raises and head nods, but sometimes in my life there's been times when I just wanted some, you know, it's just secret desire to be recognized. Uh, I might serve somebody, and then after I've served them, I said, well, how was that? Is that good? You know, is everything fine? I want to make sure they, you know, you're fishing for a thank you or you're fishing for a, a pat on the back. And the Lord one time told me, he said, stop that. You see, sometimes when God speaks, he doesn't speak in King James. He speaks in the language you can hear. And for me, it was stop it. I can understand that. And... Um, Unfortunately, I learned this again years ago. I, I saw somebody that was in need of groceries. And I thought, it, the Lord placed it on my heart. Get them some groceries to help that family out. And I thought, I can do that. I'm able to do that. I'm capable of doing this. And so I went and I got the groceries and I, I, I took them to the family uh, and dropped it off with a note just saying, wanted to bless you and, and left. But it was maybe a couple days later when I saw one of the kids of that family. And I said, hey, did those groceries help out? And they said, that was you? And I said, yeah. And immediately, the Lord said, you blew it. I was like, I blew, I blew what? He said, I told you to do it secretly with no strings attached, just a hidden blessing so that they would be blessed, I would get the glory and the honor, and that you didn't make it all about J-I-M. And that hurt because I realized he was right. I was trying to get some credit there. Now, we, the world, say it's not how you play the game, but it's how you look when you play the game that makes a difference. You know, uh, let me take you back to Andre Agassi, if you're familiar with him. Image is everything. That's the way the world speaks, right? It says you've got to look good in doing whatever it is that, that, that you're doing. But you see, that's what the world says, it says that you've got to worry about self-image and you've got to worry about, uh, you know, getting what you can. You can look like you're serving somebody else as long as you're getting some, something out of it. Now, that, that unfortunately thought process can prevail through churches, through families, through organizations. And what we have to do is catch it. We have to catch it when we think that way. And then we have to correct it. 
The best way to develop a servant heart is to do something called hidden service. Matthew chapter 6, this is verses 3 through 4, says, But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The moment I gave up the secret is the moment I missed out on the reward. You and I are called to be a people that can look for opportunities where we can serve others through hidden treasures to bless them. And in so doing, we give glory and honor to the Lord, which leads me to our last stage of developing or cultivating a servant heart. Stage three, extend your serving with a joyful and glad heart. Now, the reason I put down joyful and glad heart is because this does not come naturally. It's something you have to choose to do. You have to choose to serve, but you have to choose to serve with the right heart. And that's one with joy and with gladness. This is serving where you have to extend yourself. Maybe you have to think intentionally and plan what you're going to do to bless somebody else because the only way we grow as servants is when we extend our capacity. For example, it's when you make a commitment and you're one-third of the way through the commitment and you want to drop out, right? You ever been there? And you just want to quit. I'm just tired. I don't want to do this anymore. You choose to say, no, I am going to extend myself and I will make room for the corrections in my flesh. It says you extend yourself, extend your heart because our flesh is going to want to drop out, but we extend ourselves by cultivating a joyful and a glad heart. You correct your heart. You always correct your heart back to God's. So when your heart is matched up with God's and everything's going good, Great, but as you start to grow, if you ever get away from the heart of God, he says, just correct back, and it'll grow some more. And as you start to drift, correct back. We have to make sure we're willing and able to do that because that's what brings joy. That's what brings gladness in our heart. You choose it. You don't wait for a feeling of serving. You choose it. Stage three is learning to put into practice what it is that you know God has called you to, uh, to do, where he's called you to serve. And then doing it. It's kind of like if you were going to say, I'm going to run a 26 mile, uh, I'm going to run a marathon, 26 miles, right? So you go out and you practice every morning and you run one mile. If you run one mile every day up until the time of the marathon and then think you can go out and run 26, you're going to be sorely mistaken. Well, I, I, I practiced, but you see, you have to extend yourself If you're going to run a marathon, you need to go run a mile for a week or two, and then you need to run two miles, and then maybe five, and then maybe increase it to 10. You learn what it means to extend. Why? Because it builds up your strength. It builds up your endurance that enables you to be able to complete the marathon. So it is in serving. Start where you are with what you have. Maybe it's going to be through hidden service, but let it extend your heart. Let it stretch you. It's when you enlarge your heart through serving, um, that that which once was difficult, hey, it's now a breeze. If you run 54 miles every day, which I don't know anybody that does that, running 26 in a marathon is going to be a breeze, right? Because they've extended themselves. God says that we are to extend. We are to stretch our hearts to serve. It, it not only blesses those that we serve, but it blesses us and the kingdom of God as we are stretched. We are also filled in the midst of that stretching. We are filled with the presence and with the power of his Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved what? The world. 
His heart was so stretched. He said, for God so loved the world. He has a heart for the whole world and even beyond. Get a greater heart and extend your heart, a larger heart. Because if we don't do that, then we miss out on the blessings of God. The, the people in Deuteronomy, I'm going to read this to you, but they, they found this out. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47 says, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart for the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies. He said, you'll serve your enemies. God is saying, I don't want you to just serve me. I want you to serve me with a joyful heart and with compassion for the people that you're serving. How many of you know sometimes that can take a little work? You know, I, I think everyone in here can say, uh, maybe agree with the statement, we can love all people, but it doesn't mean we love everyone. You know what I mean? I can have a love for everybody, but there's some people I can, I can take, and there's some people that are more challenging. It's the same for everybody. But he says, it's that love that he says, I want to have stretched over so that it's not just about you serving you or not just you serving me, but it's about getting that blessing that God gives us with a servant heart, having a heart of compassion. That's what he's after. He wants us to have a heart of compassion. There's a um, true story of a young girl who was 21 years old, and she would go and she would visit kids in the hospital who were uh, cancer patients. And she would go and she'd spend time with them, hang out with them, uh, talk with them. And after a while, it was discovered that she did this and was so good at it because she too was one of those one of those girls at a young age she had cancer and she was stuck at the hospital she understood she completely understood what it meant to lose your hair she understood what it meant to be alone she understood what it meant to have a holiday with no visitors coming to the hospital she understood what it meant to hear the words you only have a couple months left to live. And she said, but for some reason, I was given a second chance. She said, I was given a second chance, and I, I was given life, and I realized that's the gift that God gave to me. I can give them life, she said. I can charge them with as much life as it is that God gives to me, and they may not have much time left, but I have life, and the life I have, I can give to them. And the fact that she was able to volunteer and able to serve, she said, to me, that is a gift because I could very well be in their place. But God put me in this one instead. You know, the fact was, she was able to serve. Uh, the fact that she was able to do that is in and of itself the realization that serving is a gift. It's a gift. You don't have to be... Um, you know, you could be on the receiving end of, a, a, of the bad news, but maybe God's chosen to give you the good right now. He says, use it to serve others, to bless them. For some reason, whatever reason it is that God places you, you there. You see, this changed my whole heart and what I thought about serving. The fact that I'm able to serve reminds me that serving is a gift. Serving is a gift. Matthew chapter 9, uh, 13. It's on the bottom of the screen. Let's read that one together. You ready? Go. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. God says the best way to serve is through compassion. Well, I don't have, I, I've thought this before, so I'm just putting it out there in case maybe you thought it. I thought, Lord, I don't really have, I'm a compassionate person, I think. 
but I don't feel like I'm as compassionate as I could be, or sometimes maybe should be. You know what I mean? Um, so I was like, Lord, what if that's not me? And he turned it right back on me. He says, would you like it to be you? I'm like, well, well, yeah. Well, I can do that. You see, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is seek him. And when you seek him, it says that he will come and he'll work in your heart. God says the best way to serve is through compassion. Read the scriptures and you'll see miracle after miracle was preceded by this phrase. And Jesus being moved with compassion. It says, and Jesus, being moved with compassion, laid hands on the sick and they recovered. And Jesus, being moved with compassion, fed the 5,000. And Jesus, being moved with compassion, laid hands on the leper and he was healed. See, we have been given so much. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? The Bible says, with food and clothing, therewith we are to be content, the Bible says. We have food, we have clothing. But he has given us so much more than just that. He's given us so much more. This privilege comes with an assignment. It's a gift. It's a gift to be able to serve because we could have very little. We could be on the poverty list and not be able to give anything away. But the fact that we do is such a wonderful gift. And he says, give what you have. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, pastor, I feel like I'm the one on the poverty list. What is it that you have in your hand? Go back to, go back to stage one. Start where you are and let God work through your life. God is asking us to enlarge our hearts today. He's asking us to enlarge our hearts. He has chosen us, you and me, those that are watching online. He's chosen us to be the servants. The fact that we're able to serve helps us realize that we have a gift to give. You might be here today and say, I have no car. Well, do you have a bike? Well, I have no insurance. Do you have your health? I have a bad boss. Do you have a job? I have no direction. Do you have a savior? Start where you are. That's the most important thing. Show some random acts of kindness. Hidden service that will restore the joy of serving. Extend serving with a joyful heart, with a glad heart. And let's take serving from being a doormat to being a cornerstone. Something that can move us further and further into the kingdom of God. So here's my challenge for you today. It's just one thing. Again, if you, if you did last week's and something came of it, let us know. Let us know. But here's my challenge to you today. Find one person to bless through hidden service. And then do it. I suppose I should add that. And then do it. Find somebody to bless. No strings attached. Zero recognition you're doing it simply for the joy of serving Christ. And watch how God will start to transform your heart and move you with compassion just like his heart was as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you that you love us so much, that you never leave us hanging out high and dry. Lord, your word says that your greatest love was for this world. And, and Lord, you called us to be an extension of who you are. So Lord, there's times when we are challenged with loving and serving certain people, but we're asking today that you would come and you would correct our hearts where they need to be corrected. Lord, that you would adjust our hearts so that they line up with your word, with your will, and with your way. Lord, for those that are here today and they're feeling just kind of down and discouraged, Lord, I pray today that, they, that as we serve, 
that you will come and stir within our hearts no matter what low spot we're in. And that we'll just sense your presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray today that as we leave this place, you will give us eyes to see where we can serve, that you give us a sensitive heart, that when you speak to us, we will see the opportunities. And then, Lord, give us the boldness to act upon those opportunities. Lord, give us those windows of opportunity and help us this week to lean into understanding the greatest is always the one who serves, but no one's greater than you. And so we thank you, Jesus, and ask this in your name. Amen.